to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Hello there, it's Friday, November 26th, Black Friday, or in French, we would call it Vendredi Noir. Yep, Ooh, very, Betts. Very fancy of you, I like that. Um, dude, are you, are you, you got any good Black Friday deals for the people? Anything you want to plug? Anything you're going to buy this year? You know, I'm actually someone that when it comes to Black Friday, by the way, I took French for eight years. That's why I wanted to throw that in there just to, you know, win some points, but no big deal. You know, for me, it's mostly for the wife. Uh, a couple years ago, I got a robot vacuum for a house, like kind of like those circular ones. Are they um, worth it? Dude. So for my wife, she just likes the clean lines. Like she loves that in the same way that like when you see it in the yard, like she wants to see it in the carpet. And so the fact that she can every day program and it does it twice a day for her, it just, it, it, it does it for her. So that's recently one that I got that let's just say it won me some big points. But what about you? I mean, are you buying your, uh, your Sega Genesis, your game gear? Obviously. And uh, the original Xbox, the Xbox One, PlayStation. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big Black Friday fan. Usually what happens is I have no idea of any deals. Uh, my wife comes into the room very excited about a deal on something that we definitely don't need. But of course, we have to buy because it's Black Friday and it's a deal. And so I say no. And then she says, come on, let's just do it. And I say, all right, fine. We'll just get it. And so we just we have random things from Black Friday all over the house, but nothing specific this year. Maybe uh, maybe she'll change my mind. We'll see. I feel like I need to just like send Monica ideas and just to see like how far I would go to see like if I tell her something to buy and she brings it up to you, you're just always going to go. I mean, sure, I guess. And just slowly over time, you realize like, <laughs> wow, Kyle's just making us acquire all of these things. Uh, we hope that you had a great Thanksgiving uh, we are recording this actually right before Thanksgiving, so it's kind of a weird time loop for us that, hey, we are talk- We talked about the Thanksgiving Day slate, we're recording this before, but this is coming out on Friday, so depending on what part of the multiverse you meet us at, we're excited to talk about the main slate for week 12, and honestly, I think for you and I, it's been like such a crazy week with content, and we're really talking about two slates, I mean, I know it was only three games for Thanksgiving, but that was like a whole slate uh, we had the Megalodon episode, if you listened to that on Wednesday, which was a trip, a delight, and a labor of love, but crazy week. Any initial thoughts? Like, I feel like a lot of our listeners are going to be like, well, I just got over the Thanksgiving slate, and now I have to turn the page on Friday and Saturday? Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I know that it was only a three-game slate on Thursday, but the prep for that I mean, I personally approach it this way. I put in just as much prep as I do for the main slate. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of people that play DFS somewhat seriously, or at least play frequently, probably are in the same boat. And so I do think it is a interesting week for the main slate DFS tournaments, especially because if you're, you know, paying attention, if you're um, locked into what's going on with the holiday some of our opponents may be sleeping on what's going on and kind of where things are at or just playing catch up to try to prep for the week. So I do think if you are plugged in, you can have some success this week on Sunday, which hopefully is just carrying over from the Turkey Day slate. So yes, I think it's a really fun week for GPPs. Yeah, I want to give you the listener and I'm maybe preaching myself here as well. Just this is a week to get contrarian because it's going to be really easy just to kind of flood and say, okay, who are the best plays? I kind of want to just huddle around there. Maybe I have a little bit of conviction, but Feel free to get contrarian, especially on some of these stacking options, which we'll talk about. There's not a lot of games this week that are over that 50 total. So a lot of our research over the summer showed that those games that are in that 46 to, I don't know, 49 point range actually a lot of the times do hit the over. So don't just discredit a lot of games because we're not seeing 50 plus. Feel free to get weird and, and have fun with that. If you want all of our picks, you can get that at DFSPass.com. I had someone that messaged me today. And said, hey, you know what? When you guys were saying that I could get this for $2 a week, I'm I'm in. So they bought it today. And I actually I actually kind of laughed. I was like, it's like Thanksgiving. Like you're, you're kind of late to the game. But then you realize that this thing could easily pay off very, very quickly. So this week, it was chock full of, you know, tons of content about Thanksgiving Day slate, about the main slate, a roster percentage report that'll come out on Saturday this week. 
But yes, you can get that and use the promo code DFSPOD if you want to save some money. And if you feel like stealing from our company, that's essentially what you're doing. But let's talk about those salary standouts and uh, who would like to play in cash. Salary standouts. Not going to lie. Kyle put in the wrong drop, but we're just going to roll with it, people, because (laughs) (laughs) that's... can, Can I just like... Share a little with the listeners about my last day and a half. Is that okay? Sure. Go You've been it. with me. Dude, you're, I, I sent you the gift, but like, you're my Scottie Pippen. And I know I'm calling myself Jordan here, but like, <laughs> when Jordan got real sick and Jordan, like, Scottie just had to carry him, you know? Yeah. No, it, hey, it happens, you know? Um, that's why, that's why I make a good team. If one of us is down, the other one picks the other person up. So we got this. I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all. All right, so just here here we go. One, my house is going on the market this week. So we've had our pictures. We met with a realtor. I mean, like a lot of stuff getting our house ready. So that's kicked my butt. But the Megalodon is the one night a year where I just say, I'm going to sacrifice my body. I'm going to lay it down for the team. And uh, so, yeah, I stay up all night working on that. And it is a labor of love. And so, yeah, I'm on like two or three hours of sleep. But... For DFS, we can go full on. So if uh, Kyle screws up something on the show, it's okay, right? I need, to, I need to hear that. As long as you have the disclaimer out there, the people know. Yeah, you, you can't say anything. So uh, let's talk about our cash picks for this week 12 main slate. And at quarterback, it seems like Cam Newton, they just didn't boost his price enough because last week he's at 5,100. He was a popular play. This week he's 5,600. So talk me into Cam and Cash, and is there any downside? It's hard to poke holes in this spot for Cam, especially with the price. You know, he was 5,100 last week, and he was in my cash game pool of consideration. The only reason I didn't play him was because of the fact that we had a quote, I think it was from uh, Matt Rule before, saying like, oh, you know, Cam doesn't know the full playbook and yada, yada, yada. He comes in in his first game, obviously doesn't play much, played 12% of the snaps, barely did anything. Last week, every single down went to Cam Newton. They didn't use P.J. Walker at all. So he clearly is the dude. And they're going to scheme up ways to get him involved. Cam is a guy that over the course of his career, for whatever reason, just plays better when he has something to prove. And he wants to prove to people that he is the dude this year for Carolina to help them right the ship. And this matchup with the Dolphins certainly doesn't scare you. They're 28th against fantasy quarterbacks. And at his price at 5600 the savings that you get to be able to get up to guys that we'll talk about, like Christian McCaffrey, like Devontae Adams, um, it just feels so right in, in cash. So I like Cam this week quite a bit. The salaries as a whole are kind of depressed this week because there's no Patrick Mahomes, no Josh Allen, no Lamar Jackson, Kyler's on by. I mean, Tom Brady's up there as, at the top on DraftKings at 7,600. And then you kind of see like, oh, wow, like there's some dudes that I will clearly play in that 6, 7K range. I like Justin Herbert a lot. I don't know why. He is 6.6, especially after he went bananas on Sunday Night Football. So I feel like that's a misprice. He's also, I think, a great play on FanDuel at 7.8. So Herbert and Cam, I think, are my top two. But I, with Jalen Hurts, you just, at this point, we can't really argue with what he's doing. I looked this up. Betts, this is another football guy stat for you. But Jalen Hurts has 15 career starts. Your Philadelphia Eagles, he, he's had that many starts. He's averaged more fantasy points than Lamar Jackson's first 15 starts. So we need to take notice. Like, dude, I I mean, at this point, you can play him in cash. You have a safe floor. And at 7,300, I feel like he should be more expensive. I agree. I mean, entering this week, obviously, there's games that just happen on Thursday. He is fantasy's quarterback one. Like, he's just been awesome. And you know that he can add value clearly with his legs and at that price it's not elevated enough so i think he is definitely um cash viable i think i agree with you though for me it would be cam and justin herbert at the top as far as my choices but if you had strong conviction that you like jalen hurts better you're not going to get any arguments from me so at running back it's interesting to see that the rb1 is jonathan taylor all right and we know that for fantasies the rb1 but for dfs purposes the scoring's a little different on DraftKings. So he's above CMC, who's at 9K. And I think you and I both are super interested in Christian McCaffrey if he's going to be the RB2 on the slate. Jonathan Taylor has a tougher matchup, but obviously that didn't matter at all last week. So CMC, is is, is he your top guy? Oh, yeah. No question about it. You know, last week, 
was another strong cash play. And it's so funny because you feel like you have these expectations of these players. Christian McCaffrey comes out for like 24 DraftKings points and you're like, yeah, that was fine. But that's what he's going to give you every single time you put him in your lineup outside of injury. So for me, especially if I'm playing Cam to pay down, I think they're fine to play together. You can get up to Christian McCaffrey and on a slate like this where, you know, at the top of the running back pricing, like you said, Jonathan Taylor clearly is a stud. But the Bucks matchup, which we'll talk about in a second, isn't awesome. So I think if you're spending up at running back, for me, the preferred uh, play here is Christian McCaffrey going up against the Dolphins. And then in that elite tier, Joe Mixon is 7.5. So that's it's really a major step down from those two. And he's been on fire. I feel like because Jonathan Taylor's been taking the league by storm, we're forgetting how good Joe Mixon's been. He's been a top four running back, a top four running back in four of his last five games. He has a touchdown in seven straight games. Like, that's essentially what Taylor's doing, and you're getting him at a kind of a, a less price. I know Pittsburgh's not the best matchup, but I think he can totally show out. So I like Joe Mixon in kind of that elite tier, but I think the 5-6K range is where there's a couple of guys that we kind of like, but I, I'm kind of pausing a little bit. A.J. Dillon is really showing up at 5.9 as like the dude against the Rams, but what do we know about Aaron Jones? Because he showed up at practice surprisingly. Yeah, they did call it a one to two week injury with the MCL sprain when it first happened uh, last week or two weeks ago, rather. And so if he missed this week, he would be kind of right in that window of, of time. I really think for Aaron Jones and for the Packers, it comes down to essentially like, what do they envision for this postseason run? Clearly, they're a team that has that and their, you know, their aspirations and they go on by after this week. So I think if there's any doubt in Aaron Jones, they're not going to put him out there. And so we're going to talk about this, assuming that Aaron Jones probably doesn't play. Certainly, if he does, don't play A.J. Dillon in cash. But if Aaron Jones is out, A.J. Dillon, I don't know what your thoughts are, Kyle. I love him at 5.9K. He's cheap. Um, This is a guy that last week was super, super popular. He kind of let everyone down. But when you look at the peripheral stats, like he saw a ton of volume, 17 total opportunities, caught six balls like he was involved in, in all three phases of the game. So if Aaron Jones is out, I'm going back to A.J. Dillon this week. And I know you're the injury guy, but the Packers, correct me if I'm wrong, usually like they wait like to play their players in, until they're fully back. Is that is that kind of am I okay. Definitely. Just want yeah. to make sure that's, I'm, that's what they've done over the course of time and um, you know, especially with their star players, which clearly Aaron Jones is. So Okay. So yeah, I'm down with AJ Dillon at five point nine. He was fine last week. Like I know the production wasn't like twenty five points, but in the double digits, he was totally totally fine in 5.9. That's cheap enough. A little bit cheaper in that same range. Daryl Henderson in that same game is 5.8. Probably don't want to play both of those guys, but I think they're interesting um, because of his workload, because of what he gets inside the red zone. We'll talk about that game in just a second. And then I like James Robinson. I know he's been popping up as a questionable tag, uh, limited practice, but that's kind of his thing right now. But against the Falcons at home, 6.2. And I feel like he just ends up getting it done, even if it's ugly. I mean, there was two weeks ago, he had like three carries in the first half, and then he ends up with like 15 fantasy points. So James Robinson at 6.2 is my other cash game play against my Falcons. Uh, Any other running backs on your radar? Those are definitely the top ones, in my opinion. We're going to talk about a couple other ones, especially along the way uh, for tournaments. I also like over on FanDuel, Miles Gaskin. He's just a guy that it's it's sort of been hit or miss. But at 6.2, if he finds the end zone, he's going to pay off his tag. And, you know, really, that's the question. It's a tough matchup. Carolina is very good on defense. But again, if you're looking to save salary somewhere at running back, it's hard to find guys who are competing for touches with Duke Johnson in the backfield. Like this is Miles Gaskin's backfield. They're literally competing with uh, with Duke Johnson. I know they just signed Philip Lindsay. I'm not sure what he's going to do this week, but if we get news that it's going to be the Gaskin show again, yeah, he's fine over on FanDuel. His projection are just will show up pretty strong because of his workload. So in terms of points per dollar on both sites, even on DraftKings at 5.6, I don't mind Miles Gaskin at all. There is a question in tournaments because in the same game you have CMC, you have Gaskin, and really does that game project to hit the over? I think right now we would say uh, it's not the best game environment, but at wide receiver... I mean, you look at the pricing and you and what jumps out to me at first is, holy crap, Cooper Cup is 9.6K on DraftKings. Uh, that's a lot. That's $1,000 more than Devontae Adams. So 
Those two are the clear studs on this slate with no Tyreek. How are you handling those two? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't remember a wide receiver ever being that expensive. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that, but I, I it was sticker shock when I logged in and saw that. I was like, how is this possible? He's more expensive than Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, if you're going to make me pick one straight up, especially considering the price, I'm spending up for Christian McCaffrey because that's also going to allow you if you want to, you know, go down at quarterback Cam or one of the other tight ends that we're going to talk about, you can also get up to Devontae Adams on this slate and at a thousand dollars savings. To me, it's a no-brainer. Now, Cooper Cup can certainly get there. He can definitely pay off his tag. We've seen him just have these huge ceiling games. So I'm not saying he won't pay it off, but if you're asking me to pick one that I think will pay it off based off the salary, it's probably Devontae Adams uh, this week. It's a unique situation because they're in the same game. So in terms of tournaments well i'm gonna talk about stacking that game like i'm assuming a lot of builds will not have both of those guys in their lineup like if you're paying for cup and Devonte, you're saying i'm probably not gonna have cmc so there's just a lot of conversations you get to have about those two and the way that it works so right now Devonte is our strongest cash game play i feel like a broken record because we love him we talk about him every single week but i mean his projection super strong points per dollar Cup, I will play in tournaments just to get a little different and because he's been awesome. But dropping down a bit further, Chris Godwin, I feel like every single week we talk about him as well because AB doesn't look like he's coming back this week, right? Yeah, it's going to be another week for Antonio Brown at least. I mean, they're they're hopeful is the quote that he'll be back for next week. So no AB again this week. And Chris Godwin splits. You look at what he's done over the last month of the season without Antonio Brown in the lineup I mean it's 11 12 8 6 targets and he's consistently going you know high in in the yardage and he's got three touchdowns in his last four games so his splits are awesome Tom Brady looks his way and he's always going to have the most uh, valuable cornerback matchup which sometimes is a little bit overrated but when you talk about this matchup with the Colts they are weak in the slot you talk about that every week with their slot corner and Chris Godwin should succeed really well here at his price tag especially on DraftKings full PPR 7,000 I absolutely love Godwin this week my second favorite receiver outside of Devonte this week is Deontay Johnson. Like I just, I don't know why his price is 6.6. He's Keenan Allen. Like that's what you're getting. Maybe like 90% of Keenan Allen's production and a little bit of a worse offense. But at 6.6, I have him in there right now. I like those receivers. Like, I mean, that game, we're not going to talk about from a stacking perspective, but Steelers and Bengals has a chance to shit out. You could also see them just running into the ground with Mixon, but I, I, I like those receivers in that game, Deontay and Claypool, but Deontay's a great cash play. And then our boy Pity City, they just dropped his price down to 5.6. And I mean, that's that's juicy. So against Tampa Bay, Pity City seems like a, a good option. So that's kind of in that mid-tier, the guys that I'm interested in. But uh, who are some other wide receivers? Yeah, one more I'll throw out for DraftKings, especially in that like you know upper fives range. In pricing is Brandon Cooks um, taking on the Jets certainly is not a defense that scares you. They're dead last in pass defense DVOA. Tyrod Taylor, we just need him to play competent quarterback play, which he certainly is capable of doing. And Brandon Cooks just seeing a ton of targets, 13, 7, 6, 13 targets before last week. And I know that last week it was a lot of weather and rain in Tennessee. So hopefully they kind of get back on track and just hyper target um, Brandon Cooks, who just, you know, when he's gotten the volume, has been great. So at 5.8K, I like him a lot this week for cash. In terms of cheapies, are you interested in Van Jefferson on DraftKings 4.9? On FanDuel, he's 5.4. I feel like in terms of getting somebody in your lineup that you know has a guaranteed role in a game environment we like, would you play him in cash? It's really tough because the, the wide receiver... As it stands right now, the wide receiver pool below 5,000 is not good. There's not like anyone I'm really excited about. I do think he is a name that is viable. I'm not sure if I would go there in cash. I think if I'm going to try to save salary somewhere, like I talked about at the top, it's going to be going down to Cam Newton or the tight ends and defenses that we're going to play. We're going to talk about here in a second. But certainly, I mean, I think he's viable. We're going to talk about that game here in a minute to give our, our more detailed outlook on the Rams passing attack. He's playing a ton of time. He's running a ton of routes. I still don't think OBJ is like fully incorporated into the offense. So I think he's fine, but he doesn't have a strong projection necessarily. Yeah, the other names I'll throw out there. Jacoby Myers is always going to show up because of his target share. I will 
not mention T. Higgins because legally I feel like people would uh, serve me with a notice of saying, hey, we're going to sue you. You guys are obsessed with this guy. Dude, we love T. Higgins because he he's getting targets and he only got three this past you're, week. But Dude, your spreadsheets told us to play him. Like literally the spreadsheets <laughs> say the target share is there. He's running the routes. He's playing a ton of snaps. He's checked all the boxes and he's a good wide receiver. Uh, but no, we are not going to recommend T. Higgins this week, which means guaranteed 102. <laughs> yep, definitely play him in tournaments, and we'll take the credit there. And if anyone asks, we'll say, yeah, terrible cash game play. Great GPP play. Uh, yes. uh, two more Fanduel plays. A.J. Brown is 6.8. That's a weird price drop there. I know he's hurt right now. might not play, but that's a weird one. And then Keenan Allen, our boy, is cheaper on Fanduel than he is on DraftKings. So that is... Uh, saying that you need to play him, uh, especially with his high floor. The last four weeks, he's just been like every week, like, all right, 13 targets, 12 targets. Gosh, I love Keenan Allen. All right, tight end. There's one gross pun option. I'm just going to say it and move on. It's Jeff Swaim at 2.6. Let's move on. Uh, Who does he play football for? He plays for the Titans, and okay. he runs routes. But I know <laughs> I want I, people to be aware of who he played for. And that he plays, that he's just does he in the NFL. Get, does he actually get shoulder pads and a helmet? Dude, they, they, they gave it to him. He was a top 10 tight end at one point, one week. Anyway, uh, so if you really wanted to punt, that's what you want to do. I'm kind of looking a little bit, you know, in a different spot. If you want to pay up George Kittle, 6.4, that's not enough. I mean, it's it's not a great slate for tight ends. You know, you're not getting, um, you're not getting Kelsey. You're not getting Andrews. It's, it's. It's just Waller not the was best. On Thanksgiving. So, yeah, it's I mean Doc Dr. Schultz, like he's Dawson not on Knox. there. Uh Cole Komet, your boy. <laughs> There's literally no tight Every, ends to play. <laughs> so if you wanted to play somebody in cash that's a little bit further, are you willing to go back to the postman? His salary dropped a little bit. Yes, he is going to deliver, as he almost always does this week. How that man ran so many routes. And saw zero targets last week is beyond me. I am I, I honestly have no idea what's happening because before that, he was getting hyper targeted. He was reliable every week in cash. And it's especially because you're just seeing Jacksonville play negative game scripts all the time. And now we have the best football player to ever step on the field in Jamal Agnew, unfortunately, go down with a season ending hip injury. So again, you're you're talking about where do the targets go? Follow the trend and follow the fact that now there's one less playmaker. For Jacksonville, it I feel like it has to go to the postman. And at 4K, for me, he's a, an awesome cash play this week. Dude, are you kind of sad about Jamal Agnew? I know your Twitter profile still says that you recommended him, but are people going to remember who that he existed in the NFL next year? I hope so. I'm going to try to keep the legacy going. Uh, I also think that my name will be associated with him, which I'm I'm proud of. Don't get me wrong. Because people still comment and reach out to you about Mike Glennon from the 2020 <laughs> season, which was, ooh, if listeners, if you're new to the show, my goodness, Kyle actually talked about Mike Glennon on this podcast. Uh, and, and you know, people don't forget that. So <laughs> I hope the legacy of Jamal Agnew continues. He had a great three or four weeks for us in DFS. I hope he can get healthy and come back next year. Well, the thing that stinks is I'm a Marvin Jones guy. I mean, I've always been, always been there. He's, all, I've, I mean, Check my timeline. Search Marvin Jones. Like, just always been my dude. And um, for the last, I don't know, seven weeks, nothing, 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 nothing. So I hate that the Jaguars are associated with our brand and that they're probably going to beat the Falcons, aren't they? Yeah, just Max Payne. That seven seven wins, is it's not happening. It's definitely not. All right, so the Postman 4K, you can play him. The Muth, you can also play at 4.3. I'm into that play. I know you put a question mark here, dude. I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from against the Bengals. I think with that salary, I mean, and his target share, what you're getting. I checked this stat out. Another stat, man. Titans that have seen 35 receptions and five touchdowns in their first 10 games as a rookie. There's only two. Evan Ingram and Pat Fryermuth. So as a rookie tight end, like he is, he is slaying. I hope- I hope the Muth's uh, career trajectory is better than Evan Ingram's. But I see what you're saying. He is talented. He's producing. You know, I think the matchup's awesome with the Bengals. 
I guess the only reason I put a question mark is do, do you think he can get loose enough at that salary? I mean, after Thanksgiving, like the, the, that dude's, he's got to unbutton his pants. He's going to be so loose. He's going to gain so much weight. He's going to be the so loosest. <laughs> All right, let's finish with defense. It, so this is laughable about defense, okay? So you brought up the Texans. I think they're a great punt play on on DraftKings at 2.3 against the Jets at home. Like normally we'd never talk about the Texans, but hey, that's a fine play. Punt it away. Zach Wilson. On fan, yeah, on FanDuel, they're the DST2. Like the, the second most expensive defense uh, what? is the Texans. <laughs> So FanDuel is very, you know, they just adjust theirs a ton by the matchup. So it, it made me laugh. Just I'm like, there is no way I'm paying that much money for this defense. But on DraftKings 2.3, uh, I don't mind the Eagles at 3.2 if you want to pay up a little bit. Or in the same game, the Giants at 2.4. Like either of those, you could see Hurts have a bad game. You definitely could see Daniel Jones have a bad game. So uh, any other plays? Yeah, I love Carolina this week taking on Miami. I mean, Carolina is just a defense that's able to get after the quarterback, generate pressure, and Miami's offensive line is still among the worst in football. So I love Carolina. They're not expensive enough for the upside that they have. Whether or not you're going to play them in cash just depends on what their roster percentage is. I'm sorry, I spoke incorrectly there. Well, they're not going to play them in GPPs based off their roster percentage, but in cash, I love them at 3.1K. All right, let's talk about a couple games. Stack Attack. Bets and I are going to highlight three games this week because the totals are not, they're not crazy. They're not great this week. We're going to talk about three games that we think you can stack in GPPs and tournaments. So let's start off with the one with the highest total of the week. It's Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Indianapolis Colts who are rolling. Like they are, they are a team that nobody wants to face right now. Tampa Bay is two and a half point road favorites. This game is a 52 and a half point total. Look, this hot setup. The Buccaneers have played three games on the road this year with a 50 plus point total, and they didn't cover in any of them bets. So, what is your take on this game and these two teams, which have a lot of pieces for fantasy? Yeah, I'm really excited about this game. Like you said, this is the highest total on the slate. It's the only game over 50. It has already been bet up a full point and a half as of Wednesday night when we're recording this. So, it could be up to, you know, even 53, 53 and a half by the time the show comes out on Friday. The trend is good there as far as hitting the over, which is really exciting. And I think the question you have to ask yourself is, can the Bucks actually stop the Colts? Because over the last two months of the season, literally no one can. 23 plus points in every single game. And they've scored more than 35 times. They're fifth in scoring on the season. So you certainly love that for Indy side of the ball. And then for Tampa, like their top 10 in neutral situation uh, pace and their opponents going up against them are playing at a top five pace on the season. So this looks like a spot where the over is likely to come in. And I think it's probably the best game environment on the entire slate. So I like it quite a bit. I guess the only question is just, you know, do you think this, the Colts can do what they want to do, which is clearly feature Jonathan Taylor in arguably the toughest matchup he'll see all year? Yes. And Honestly, that's what we looked at last week, right? With the Bills, when Jason and I were going over that matchup, our conversation was, do you want to run it back with Colts? And the correct answer was, yes, you want to play Jonathan Taylor and get out of the way. So I think at this point, even though he's expensive, he's proved that he's kind of matchup proof and you kind of get to see what the field's going to do. I think it will be different. Last week, nobody played him. I mean, like nobody played him at all. In double ups, he was less than 1%. So this week, I think it's going to be one of those things where you get to pay up if you want to be contrarian because Christian McCaffrey is just a better overall play, in my opinion, in terms of passing work. My question is Carson Wentz. And since week four, he has a 6% touchdown rate and he's only thrown two INTs. I feel like this is a game where it's like, he could self-implode against this really good pass rush. And so he's kind of the most volatile piece. I want to play Jonathan Taylor, but can I stack Carson Wentz? I don't know. <laughs> Jaded Eagles fan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You're asking the wrong guy. I can't I can't speak objectively. Um, but in all seriousness, like I think you have to ask yourself, how confident do you think you like how confident are you that Jonathan Taylor can overcome this difficult matchup. 
I think there's a realistic possibility that he actually can. And the reason for that is Vita Vea, their run stopper, one of the best in football, missed last week. If he misses again this week, it's going to upgrade Jonathan Taylor. So I think what you do is you approach this in one of two ways. You either say JT fails and he can't get there. And so then they have to throw the football against a secondary that gives up a ton of production to passing on the other side of the ball. So I don't think it's a terrible GPP play. The question I just have is like, how do you stack this guy? Because I have zero confidence in T.Y. Hilton. I have zero confidence in Zach Pascal. They run like a tight end committee. So it really just makes the situation tough because then you have to stack him with Michael Pittman. He's got a great tag, but other people are going to do that. And so I just feel like you're running into a lot of roster percentage that way. And I'm not sure Carson Wentz has enough ceiling to like truly separate, you know, for that to not matter. So I guess for me, I'm probably going to be underweight Carson Wentz this week in DFS. That makes a ton of sense. Cause like you said, on the Colts side, there's really only three guys that you think about playing Wentz, Taylor, Pity City. And then the Bucks side feels really, really clear. Like you're going to play Tom Brady and double stack him because he doesn't run the ball. You're going to just say, hey, this goes through Brady. Indianapolis is allowing the highest pass success rate in the NFL. 31st in DVP against quarterbacks. Like everything about Brady says you go with Brady, either Evans or Godwin or Evans and Godwin. And then I really, really, really like Gronk this week. Like, I think Gronk showed up last week that he could play a good amount of snaps. He saw eight targets. And check this out. Gronk, he has as many red zone targets as Kelsey this year. He actually has three more end zone targets than Travis Kelsey. And he's only played in four full games. So when he's on the field, he is getting end zone targets. And that's the, I mean, that's the most valuable target you can get as you are literally standing inside the red paint. So... I like Gronk a lot. He's only 4,400. I think you could play Gronk in cash. I wouldn't say you're crazy, but I think he's a really good tournament play. So yeah, for me, it's Brady, pick two bucks, and then you're probably running back with Taylor or Pity City. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. It seems pretty clear. Definitely play Tom Brady stacks this week. It looks like an awesome spot to hit a ceiling. Again, high total. And like we tell you guys, most weeks, if you're playing multiple lineups, I would just play a couple of different you know, variations of Tom Brady with Evans and Gronk or Evans and Godwin or Godwin and Gronk or just mix it up. Tom Brady seems like he's going to have a lot of success this week. And I definitely want to attach myself to him in DFS tournaments. I just need to mention Leonard Fournette because I feel like he's going to be the most overlooked part of this game. I know Ronald Jones had the touchdown, but still didn't see that many snaps. But let's say that this is a Fournette game where he gets two touchdowns, kind of nerfs a lot of the production of the Buccaneer side He's a interesting play. He's better play on FanDuel, but he's just someone I need to mention because since week four, he's the RB9. Like He's been valuable for fantasy, and he's always getting targets. So uh, Leonard Fournette, just need to throw him out there. But uh, give me your Vegas pick. Yeah, I'll take the over. I like this one a lot. I think there's going to be a bunch of points, so give me the over. I will take the over, and then I will actually put, put it out there. I will take the Colts and the points at home. Uh, I think they can, they can do it. All right. Next game is the Kyle Shanahan bowl of the Minnesota Vikings at the San Francisco 49ers. Both of these teams are five and five. And both of these teams have a weird obsession with Kirk cousins for a very long time. The 49ers are three point home favorites and this game is a 48 point total. What's interesting about these teams is that their offenses are starting to take shape. Like both of these teams had really rough starts of the season. Minnesota started one and three. San Francisco started two and four, but Minnesota is kind of turning on their offense last three weeks, 31 points, 27 points, 34 points. And San Francisco is in the playoff mix. They've won three of their last four. So these offenses have a lot of pieces that we are, can get excited about, but there's also a path to this game, just hitting the under because both teams want to run the ball. So how are you, looking at this game from a game flow perspective. Yeah, I think the the question you just ask is, do you think San Francisco wins this game? And if they do, especially if you think they kind of come out and, and handle their business at home, like Kyle Shanahan wants to run the football. He's not hiding it from anyone, running at the third highest rate in neutral situations. So if you think that they win this game, it's going to be because of their run game and, and letting Jimmy G throw the ball 20 to 25 times. Like they're, they're trying to really get that run game going, which clearly takes up more time and less possessions for Minnesota and all those sort of things. So if you're asking me which game that we're going to talk about 
this week has the best chance to hit the under. I think it's probably this one because on the other side of the ball, you know that Mike Zimmer wants to get Dalvin Cook going as well. So there is going to be a lot of rushing volume. And I think that that's probably the most likely outcome. I will probably be underweight exposure to this game because of that concern. But, you know, don't get me wrong. We've seen Minnesota play super high scoring games all year. And, and sometimes they kind of get pushed into that, you know, heavy uh, passing attack. So I don't think it's crazy to go on the Minnesota side and, you know, fade Dalvin and really go with Kirk Cousins double stacks. I think that's always in play. But I just think that there's a very good chance San Francisco controls this game. And as, as a result, it might come in on the under. The thing that's interesting for me is you look at Minnesota's defense the last six weeks, although they've been scoring more. The last six weeks, they rank 31st against fantasy quarterbacks and fantasy wide receivers. So Jimmy G is a sneaky play. I, I think he's a fine play in like redraft type leagues, or two quarterback leagues. I, I like him a lot this week. In DFS this week, you could say, I'm going to stack Jimmy G with Debo and Ayuk or Debo and Kittle and just say, this is a game where, where Jimmy G throws three or four touchdowns and it goes that direction because they can't figure it out. Like, the secondary Minnesota, you and I have picked on the entire year. And last week, Aaron Rodgers went for 364 and four. So the passing attack on the 49ers side, that's where I want the game flow to go if I was going to use this. And then Dalvin's a, I mean, on Fandle, he's an excellent play at 8,100. Like he's, I think he's great. You know, you're going to get rock solid opportunities. And I feel like we're still missing out on like a true ceiling game from Dalvin and you're getting him at a discount. So that's how I would stack this game. I don't love the cousin side, uh, but what do you think about Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota is a team that, like I said, they, they've just played a lot of high scoring games and they've also played a lot of close games. So there's no real like blowout concerns in this one, in my opinion. And I think that that definitely will keep the, the Minnesota side in play. No one plays Adam Thielen any week ever, not even if there's a fire. 6700 I feel like his price literally is 6700 every week. Am I wrong on that? <laughs> like, it doesn't he, he change. He just sits there. It doesn't change. And Justin Jefferson has been awesome over the last month of the season. So I do think Kirk Cousins double stacks are interesting in tournaments, but you have to kind of think about it as, as they get behind and they really have to throw to kind of catch up. Because I, like I said, I do think that they want to give Dalvin the ball if they can in a neutral game script. Yeah, Jefferson's price keeps creeping up so on this slate like he's right behind Devonte and Debo's I don't expensive think anyone's too. gonna play him at all yeah Minnesota wide receivers if you check our roster percentage report and then you check tournaments they just don't creep up very high like Jefferson's gonna be always more popular than Thielen but like he's not gonna be north of 10 percent ever you know usually ends up around that seven eight percent range so that's why if you find the right matchup for Cousins and he explodes, then I think it is. But for me, it's stacking the 49ers pass catchers and then running back with Dalvin. Um, any other takes in this game? Uh, no, I think we hit on all of it. All right, and give me your Vegas pick. I like the under. I will also take Minnesota plus the points. Oh, man, I really struggled with this game. Uh, Minnesota, what I realized about Minnesota is they are the Chargers. Like, they are a team that can just show up, but they can also like lose in one score affairs. They're just all over the map. And last week we liked him and I liked them to cover at home, but I'm going to take the 49ers. I just think that they have their pieces, especially their wide receivers healthy. And I just think they're actually a, just a better team um, overall. So I'm going to take the 49ers minus three. All right, last game we're going to highlight is an NFC battle. Potentially, this could be the NFC championship game. Uh, two great teams in the NFC, Los Angeles Rams, who are reeling. They've dropped two straight, and they're coming off the bye at the Green Bay Packers, who lost a heartbreaker to Minnesota. Green Bay is a one-point home favorite. This is a super close game in Lambeau, 47.5 point total. The Packers' defense has been dominant. I mean, dominant uh, home. In four home games, they've given up 17, 17, 10, and zero points to the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. So at home, they've been pretty good. And the Rams and Matthew Stafford have been straight up diaper gravy recently. So, bets. <laughs> diaper gravy, <laughs> Let me ask, huh? Is that a thing? Yeah. People say that? That is, that is a slang term for that is doo-doo. 
That's just straight up doo-doo. I know what it is. I'm just asking if people no, actually no, say that. No, I can explain it to you. Maybe you need me to fully explain. No, I'll just I'll text you a picture, okay? <laughs> I'll just go to Urban Dictionary. You'll find it. Um, no, so can the Rams write their ship on the road in Lambeau? It's going to be tough. It certainly will. And I think the issue is, you know, last week with Green Bay, we kind of talked about like them being a team that we... We they can hit have huge games is basically what I'm trying to say. But when you look at their metrics as far as their pace of play, their pass run ratio, those sort of things, they're kind of a team that plays slow enough that if the other side doesn't work, the game just tanks as far as the game environment. We saw that with Russ in Seattle two weeks ago. We've seen it a couple of times throughout the year. So you basically need, I think, in my opinion, for this game to have a ceiling outcome, is a lot of like big deep plays to like MBS like we saw last week, having Devonte get loose down the field. It's a tough matchup on paper for those guys, but at the same time, they're playing at home and you always want to bet on Aaron Rodgers and his ability to put up points. So I think my long-winded way of saying this is like if if you think the Green Bay Packers can have success here and put up points, then I would almost have to think that the Rams just lean heavily into Matthew Stafford and try to get him going here, especially with OBJ in his second week in the system and you know Van Jefferson having more of a full-time role and those sort of things. So I do think it's viable for the, the Rams to get there. It's just, do you think the, the Packers can push them or do they control the clock at home and just run it out like they always do? My biggest issue in this game is the Packers offensive line. I know there's a number of injuries that you brought up and Obviously, we know about the Rams. We know about the defensive front. But if he they create pressure, Aaron Rodgers has his toe issue. I feel like, yes, that there's a lot of problems that can happen. Because the thing about the Packers, too, is like sometimes nobody can get open. I know it's Adams can really at will. And he's not going to face shadow coverage from Jalen Ramsey. So please do not get scared of Devontae Adams at all based on that matchup. But like... I mean, who else is he throwing to? Like, Alan Lazard is hurt. MVS, I'm like always on team fade MVS because this dude, like, if he doesn't catch a touchdown, he is worthless. I looked this up, all right? Over the last three seasons, he's never had a game where he's finished inside the top 40 without a touchdown. Like, nowhere close. In games without a touchdown, he's averaging two points. So he's not going to give you anything else other than maybe a long bomb. And that happens like maybe twice a year. So MBS is someone that I will mostly fade, especially after last week where he did catch that. So I just don't see anywhere else. So for me right now, my stance is I would take the Rams and the points. I actually lean the same way. So I'm, I'm kind of with you in that front. So what does that do for you with uh, Daryl Henderson? So he's interesting because last two weeks before the bye, like it was, it was pretty bad, but he's still getting the valuable touches we want. He has six touchdowns inside the five side for the third most among all running backs. So I like him a lot in tournaments, especially as a pivot in this game at the same price point of AJ Dillon. Like, I think it's, I think this is a game that if I, if we think that the Rams defense shows up, then I would play Darrell Henderson and Devonte Adams and that's it. And I would just get out of this game. Um, I really wouldn't worry about, you know, stacking it. I mean, obviously you can stack either side with the quarterbacks, but for me, it would just be Darrell Henderson and correlate him with Adams. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. Or you, if you wanted to do a, a correlation with the Rams defense and Darrell Henderson, I think that also makes a ton of sense. I'm with you. I think the more we talk about this, like with how green Bay plays so slow and the Rams kind of been sputtering recently, like it does kind of feel like an under game or one that could at least disappoint. So I, I think I lean uh, the same direction that you do. Yeah, I just, you're asking for both offenses to just go back and forth. And they have the pieces to to do that. But with the injuries on the Green Bay side, like I could totally see them falling flat. And I so part of me wants to just say Stafford Henderson Cup or Stafford Cup Jefferson and then bring it back with Devontae and say, wow, I'm getting four pieces in this game. But it's just really hard when you're asking for Cup and Adams in the same lineup. Yep. It's also difficult roster construction, too, because both guys are expensive and you're asking a lot for it to get there. So, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. The more we talk through it, I'm not super interested in this game. Okay. So I know we only went through three games, but quickly mention a game that you think could be sneaky 
for stacking before we go into Battle Royale. Yes, I love the Chargers this week. Absolutely love them. Going up against Denver, and you think about Denver, you think that they're this you know, really good, solid defense, and, and at times they have been, but at the same time, they have no real pieces left that can, really can change the game on the defensive side of the ball. And then on the Chargers side, their, their, their pace is awesome. Their, their pass rate in neutral situations is awesome. Justin Herbert is coming off one of his best games as a pro last week. Austin Eckler, my goodness, what he did last week was fantastic. And this matchup with Denver's run defense is fantastic as well. So there's a lot to like about that side of the ball. Um, it's kind of sitting in that same range at like that 47, 47 and a half points that has a chance to hit the over. So for me, I, I'm going to the Chargers this week. I like that game stack with Denver. I'm going to mention the Bengals playing the Steelers at home. There's just a couple of pieces that we really like. Najee and Mixon, obviously, are re- elite running backs, but there's just enough receivers. I don't know if I want to fully game stack this. Like, Ben obviously offers you nothing. Burrow's not running the ball at all, so I just I don't feel like I have to play him. But if you wanted to just pick one of the running backs and then run it back with one of the wide receivers, like, I don't even mind if it's Mixon and Deontay or Mixon and Claypool. I think that in a tournament, you can have a sweet little correlation with those two. All right, let's battle it out. DFS Battle Royale. So Betts and I are going to give a couple of different categories. We mixed up a couple of these uh, because I was getting a little too cute with some of them. It's probably just me just losing sleep and my galaxy brain at this point of my life. So let's go with a stacking quarterback. Give me a stacking quarterback under 6K that you might use. All right, don't stop what you're doing. Pull the car over to the side of the road. Whatever you're doing, stop. I'm going to recommend Tyrod Taylor this week in DFS, which sounds just so silly to even say. He is 5.3K, dirt cheap, taking on the Jets. And I don't think you guys need me to tell you about the matchup. It is awesome. And I love stacking with Brandon Cooks because we've seen Tyrod have these games where he can get you 20 to 25 DraftKings points. And when Brandon Cooks has a ceiling game, obviously he could take Tyrod Taylor with him. So that cheap price tag, I think he's really interesting. Last week in a couple of tournaments against Jason, I played Tyrod Taylor and I was feeling like a G. The problem was is I stacked him with Brandon Cooks. So it kind of sunk that lineups. But <laughs> for a while, I was Do it like, again. man, for a while, I was like, man, I am so smart. I am playing Tyrod Taylor while everyone else is playing Cam. Cam's doing, oh, no, there goes Cam. All right, uh, I'm going to go and say Carson Wentz, who we mentioned earlier, at 5.8. He's super easy to stack. Like, I would just play him in Pity City or him, Jonathan Taylor, Pity City, and just say these are the three best pieces. Maybe you get a random touchdown from Zach Pascal, who is, I don't know, still kind of my boy. Like, I, st- I still I recommended him once, didn't hit. That's fine. Uh, all right, next one. Give me a cash game running back that's not named Jonathan Taylor, CMC, or A.J. Dillon. I almost said Corey Dillon, but uh, that's that's not the same dude. Yeah, don't play him. Uh, I'm going to recommend this week Jeff Wilson, assuming there is no Eli Mitchell. As of now, when we're recording this, we do not know if Eli Mitchell is going to return to the lineup with his finger issue. But if it's Jeff Wilson, he's still cheap, 5.3K. And I know last week people were pretty disappointed in what Jeff and Wilson did. But you need to take that up with Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? Because Jeff Wilson, literally standing in the end zone, not a defender within 15 yards of this guy, and Jimmy G just misses him on a pass. He's still got a ton of work. It's a good matchup with Minnesota's rush defense, which ranks 26th in defensive DVOA. So give me Jeff Wilson, still super cheap at 5.3K. I'm going to go back to James Robinson. I think in cash, he might be the safest to get you 13 to 15 points. Like I that is that just feels like it's on the table. You know what's gonna happen. Atlanta is a matchup that every single person should feel delighted to take them on. So uh I think he's just a super safe play that you can go to. He has the ninth most goal line carries. And get this, he's played 23 career games, all right, in his career. He's averaging 15.4 fantasy points per game, like on a really bad team. And if you look this up, the Jaguars are top five in rush success rate, which you wouldn't think because they barely run the ball because Trevor Lawrence is just bad at his job right now. But uh, James Robinson, you can go there. Give me a cheap wide receiver. Okay, here we go, everyone. This is the moment of the show where you don't laugh. Don't laugh at what's about to happen. 
LaVisca Chenault has to touch Why? the football this week. Has to, right? I mean, h- how are they going to move the ball if they don't involve LaVisca Chenault? I'm not saying play him in cash. Please do not play him in cash. Do not do that. But I think in a tournament, it's sort of interesting. He's 4.4K. We just talked about it with James Robinson. They're playing the Falcons. We love to pick on the Falcons on, on their defense. I mean, h- how are they not going to involve this guy? If it doesn't happen this week, when are you going to do it, Urban Meyer? So this is my shot in a tournament to play Visca before it happens. Do not play him in cash, but I think he's interesting in tournaments. All right. I'm going to give you one. I thought I was going to go with Zach Pascal, but it felt a little crazy. If Alan Lazard is out, I'm going to go with Randall Cobb at 3.7K. It's gross, but with so much attention, everyone's probably going to go to MVS. I feel like in the slot, you can get one of those games. We've seen it with Randall Cobb this year earlier. Where it's like he got a two-touchdown game or you know, he has six targets. So you're really asking on a PPR site for him to get you know, 15 points. But in that game, let's say that you didn't play Devontae Adams and you used him and said, I think he would be a really, really deep contrarian play. Uh, don't tell your parents about it. It feels, feels gross even mentioning it. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. This is different this week. We're not going to talk about punt tight end because Jeff Swaim is... We're not cool with him. We're not boys with Jeff Swaim, right? No, nah, I mean, like, he's fine. Like, if you pass him in the hallway, I'll say hello. But, like, we're not having lunch together. Yeah, like, we this summer we talked about the Ferk Daddy... And then, like, he's kind of slowly drifted from our crew. Like, we have a pretty tight-knit group right now between the Postman, the Muth. Like, we have a good group. Also, side note, fantasy footballers have more nicknames for tight ends than any other position. If you just start yes. going in your head. There's a lot. Confirmed. Um, so, who's your pay-up tight end? If you're paying up this week, you want to roll the dice with who? Yeah, there's not a lot of options, really, to pay up for. I love yours way more than mine, but I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard. He's still seeing a, a lot of the targets, and I know that Philly has gone a little bit more run heavy, but when they are throwing the football, I mean, Jalen Rager is doing nothing. Quez Watkins is out there running wind sprints. It's just Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, and we haven't seen a Dallas Goddard ceiling game that we've seen from him in his career. So I'm going to take a shot this week and pay up for him in a tournament. Um, I think he's interesting in a game that I actually like to hit the over between Philly and, and New York. So give me Dallas Goddard. I'm going to go with the player that in our projections, he has the highest ceiling outcome based on what we have. And that's not something that we publish. It is something that we're working with next year that we have like our medium projection, but we also have a ceiling projection. It's Kyle Pitts at 6.1 on a slate where it's him and Kittle near the top. I think Kyle Pitts can have one of those games where he gets 18, 20, 20 points. We've seen him do that. It's been a while. And I feel like the field's at the point now where like, ah, it's just not going to happen anymore. He's done. That's when I want to play him in tournaments. So Kyle Pitts would be who I would pay up for at 6.1. I think Kittle's a safer play, but I think Pitts has higher upside. All right. Last part. Give me a sneaky DST under 3K. I'm going to throw out the Bengals this week. There's not a lot to say about what their defense is. I mean, it's been fine. But anytime you get a chance to take a shot you know, against an immobile quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger with a bad offensive line, it's always a chance I'm willing to take a tournament. So at 2.7K, I will throw out the Bengals this week. I will throw out the Jaguars, a sentence I did not think I would say, playing my Falcons. You can kind of see where I'm at like emotionally with my team. Because Bargaining right now is, is the stage of grief you're in. That is exactly where I'm at because here's the <laughs> point. When I looked at the schedule and I said, okay, I mean, can we get to seven wins? This was one of those games where I go, oh, yeah, we'll totally beat the Jaguars. Now this is a game where I'm like, we're on the road. We could totally (laughs) lose the Jaguar. And it didn't help me going to that Falcons game and seeing us just get pummeled, just pummeled into oblivion. So the Jaguars are at home. They are 2.2K. And the Falcons do not know how to throw the ball deep. Over the last four weeks, they have one one pass that has hit over 20 yards. So just play them short and uh, you can take care of business. So you saw you saw the Jaguars show out against the Bills. So it's totally possible, but uh, maybe the Falcons could actually show some fight. All right, before we finish, let's go through a couple mailbag questions. Mailbag. Mailbag. 
All right, if you want to send your questions, you can do it at the Fantasy PT for bets or at Kyle underscore Borg for myself. And we would love to converse with you to share fun stats. Bets usually says, what the heck, this person, why are they this price? DraftKings, you're an idiot. Those are That's like one of your fortes is to just call out DraftKings, our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do do that. I don't know. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> Because they send us all that sweet swag all the time, right? All those DraftKings shirts. Oh, my gosh. And the free crowns. That's true. They're not as cool as they used to be. I used to be a big fan of the crowns. Uh, All right. First question is from our Discord channel, which you can be a part of at jointhefoot.com. But S. Rector asks, how do you determine what chalk is okay to play in GPPs? I often hear you guys talk about not playing certain players in GPPs because of how chalky they are. And it comes up a lot with defense. But since you do need some of it, where is the line? This is a great question because I think a lot of people have this idea in their head that when you're setting a tournament lineup, that it should just be like all these guys that are off-the-wall plays that no one else is playing. And that's not true. You you definitely should mix in some quote-unquote best plays or those that are going to be popular and we've said on the show before like they're popular for a good reason it's because they're projecting well they're seeing a lot of volume the matchup is there and so really it comes down to like how many chalky guys do you play and I think the best approach here is that when we looked at the data going across the last couple of seasons this summer we're finding that you know the best lineups that hit most often in these tournaments especially in large field tournaments are not the ones that play like okay plays like they're not the ones that have nine guys at 12 percent. they're the ones that have a couple in the 20 25 percent range you know some that are kind of down to 10 and then one or two that are down at like three or four so you're kind of mixing and matching tiers i would say in roster percentage and then the other question that this person asked is just like when do you play them as chalk versus when do you fade them and i'll let you handle that that part kyle it it's tough because you need to and you need to ask yourself the question, what am I gaining if this person hits? So A.J. Dillon this past week, if A.J. Dillon hits in a cash lineup, you're getting 15 plus points, all right? And he he did that. Now, in a GPP, you're saying A.J. Dillon's going to get 25 plus points. That's like what you had to have from his salary. And we usually say for GPPs, you need to 4X. So if they're $5,000, they need to get at least 20 points you need to ask yourself that question because if AJ Dillon doesn't hit 25 points in a tournament, he's a bad play. He's actually a bad play because the entire field is banking on that. And so the way that you would rather approach it is saying, I am actually assuming he's going to fail. And if he fails, how do they get there? Well, they get there through Aaron Rodgers, and Devonta Adams. And I had a couple listeners reach out about this this was the first week that Rodgers and Adams combined for 60 plus points. And we had been banging the drum about that. Like, Hey, it's going to happen. They're going to have a combined ceiling outcome. So that's what you need to just consider. And I'll say with defense, defense is super volatile. So while everyone is saying this is the best defense, like last week it was um, the Browns, right? Against uh, your, your boy Boyle. Like the Browns were easily the best medium projection on the slate, but with the defense, like if they don't get a touchdown, then they're just fine. Like, would they get eight points or something like that? Yeah, something like that. They were fine for cash, did not help you in a tournament. So just ask yourself that question. It's not to say that you can't play the Browns defense. It's just exposing yourself to the randomness that is defensive scoring and saying, I'm not going to go with the rest of the group. I'm going to find somebody that, hey, maybe it's, you know, you brought up the Bengals or maybe it's the Jaguars and I have a different roster construction than everyone else. Because, yeah, everybody's going to be playing the Browns. Everybody's going to be playing, uh, what was it, the Panthers last week. Like Those are the common builds. So for defense and GPPs, you and I would prefer to just go elsewhere. Yep, I think that makes a ton of sense. And then one other last thing just to speak to this too is like how popular are they going to be, right? Like someone that's 25% is way different as of a conversation than someone that's going to be 40%. The person, the, the player that's going to be 40% in a tournament like it's almost an auto fade, not not always, but like when you when you're right about that situation, your gain on the field is so much more than when you're right about the player that's 25 percent that you didn't play. So I think, you know, football is so random. I think when our opponents just think, think that they know what's going to happen and they play someone at such an elevated rate, we know there's randomness, we know there's variance. And, and sometimes when you 
go the other direction, it's a huge payoff. For quarterbacks, we usually pretty much ignore it because the roster percentages are a bit more flat. Uh, I will say when you're thinking about quarterbacks, like let's say somebody's, I don't know, 7% and the other quarterback's 8 or 9%. It's like, okay, well, I don't care about that, but I do care of who they're attached to. You know, so if you're playing Aaron Rodgers and there's a chalky Devontae Adams, you need to consider that build in your lineup. Like, do I have to have Aaron Rodgers in my lineup? And before this week, you did not need Aaron Rodgers. Like, you didn't need him because he hadn't hit his outcome. So just think about that, adding up a quarterback and adding up their pass catchers and kind of where they're at in terms of roster percentage. Next question off of Twitter is from Bobby. He asks, question about GPPs versus cash. I read... Kyle's weekly cash article. Congratulations. Uh, It's not always the best. Uh, (laughs) Are cash games less secure than GPPs? The thinking being about it being profitable and your lineups have to be more right than half the time in cash, but only need to be right once in GPPs. So this is a conversation we definitely talked about a lot in the summer, but kind of explain the difference of like cash and how that works in terms of being profitable over time. Because yes, everybody wants to just win a GPP and not have to work that as hard. Yeah. And why don't you just do it every week, right? We should just win a tournament every single week. That would be way easier. Um, I I think the conversation really is just when you're talking about the two different formats, we think that in cash games, it's easier to have a more consistent ROI or return on investment. It's easy to win those games more often than not, you don't have to hit a ceiling outcome. Now, that said, when you do hit a ceiling outcome in a tournament, it's awesome, A, and you get paid out way more. So it's just a matter of how much variance do you want to embrace? And do you have the bankroll to sustain a lot of variability? If you do, and you can afford losing five, six, seven, eight weeks in a row, and then you hit a huge one you know, later, like that's fine. You can do that. But if you want to have more of that sustainable bankroll, you know, being a tournament player, it's really tricky to do that if you don't have those wins. So it just comes with the variance of being a tournament player or more of a cash player or just kind of mixing and matching your funds based off your goals and your and your risk tolerance. Yeah, it's all about your bankroll. I will say, I think a lot of people getting into DFS are playing the wrong tournaments. Like they're just entering the wrong contests. And so, you know, maybe you do, you are fortunate and you know, you do. I mean, there's listeners that said, Hey, I got the DFS pass. I won $3,000 my first week. I'm like, wow, that's really awesome. I also think that that's a kind of a curse that you have that you won that fast playing based on just a couple of lineups. Like, you know, people aren't max entering. I'll also say that you can be profitable in cash and you get to do it at whatever level you want. So I've had people that look at that cash game article where I post my head to head percentages and they go, wow, it looks like you took a bath like three weeks or, you know, hey, that wasn't as great as I thought. Well, for me, head to head is only part of what we do. Um, I also play double ups. And also, I don't play the same amount every single week, like based on how my life is going. I have some weeks where let's just say I only do like 10 head to heads. And I know I'm a DFS host and I'm supposed to say like, oh, I just play this nonstop. Like there are weeks where I just go, I'm not going to put as much in because I just don't have the same attention span over the weekend to really craft it. So for me, um, being right once in GPP is not really how it works. Like it, it to say that it just takes one win to, to do it, the field is just so much larger in a GPP compared to a double up or compared to a head to head. So that's why we do it. And yeah, we try to stay accountable. Like last year, I feel like you and I were kind of on a heater like for a while, I, I think mine was like, I cashed 12 out of 17 weeks. That's really high. Like that's a, that was a really good year. And so this year I'm, I'm kind of at 50, 50 right now. And I've done well in our small fields to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, for sure. And you guys will always hear me tell you when I got crushed <laughs> in a week, which certainly happens. So yeah, it, again, to answer the question, it's all about risk tolerance and, uh, and bankroll management. And I also just want to tell people like you guys do play fantasy football, right? Like there are weeks in my redraft league where it's like, I clearly know what I'm doing. I think I have a better roster. And this guy comes in and picks somebody off the waiver wire and just crushes me. It's like that happens. Like you will lose. You do play fantasy football, right? It doesn't always uh, work out. All right. I'll let you 
throw out this next question because uh, our boy Jimmy really wanted to know something. Yes, Jimbo Sherm wants to know. He says, I understand what chalk means, but can someone explain the origin of the term and why we have to eat it? (laughs) Which is a great question. I feel like this is one of those like Chris Pratt, Andy Dwyer things where it's like, um, I'm too afraid to ask. It's like, uh, I've been, (laughs) I've been in this too long and now I'm just, I don't want to be the awkward person to ask. Uh, that's where the quote is. Andy Dwyer says, um, I don't know who Al Gore is and I'm, it's too late for me to ask. I don't know what to do. (laughs) We've all been there in some situation in our life, right? We're like, you just can't ask the question. You just accept that you don't know it. So chalk is, um, maybe you know this or maybe you don't know this people, but it's, it's a gambling expression and really it's, you know, it's horse racing is really where it comes from and the favorites. So each time the price would change, the betting would change. Like they'd have to rub the chalkboard back in the old days and be able to change it out. And eventually it would turn to just dust. And at the very end, you'd kind of see who the favorites were. So really eating the chalk just means that you are just saying, I'm just going to eat the dust. I'm going to eat whatever is left over at the very end. And I'm going to bet the favorite. And so when we're talking about who is chalk in DFS, we're saying who's the most popular player. And I'm just going to go with what everyone else is saying. And it doesn't mean you don't have your own original thoughts, but you're betting the favorite because you feel like the consensus or the the group as a whole is making a wise decision. So that's that's when you eat it, is when you say, I think this is actually a good decision to weigh out. Um, I tend to be someone that likes fading things. Like I just I would I just don't like going with the herd. And sometimes that's great. There was a week with Kareem Hunt where I just looked at things straight in the eyes and said, I'm not playing Kareem Hunt at all. And it worked out great that week. And then I've had other weeks where I just didn't play Devontae Adams. Yep. And that's football for you. That will happen. So, yeah, it's not a stupid question. And it, the eating part is is kind of silly because, like, I did do a little search to see if I could find some, like, better information. And there's, like, this TikTok thing about people eating chalk. Um, oh, boy. We don't, have, we don't have to go into that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that, kids. Yeah, you uh, high schooler, if you're listening to our DFS show. Don't eat chalk. <laughs> this this seems like a perfect place to end the show, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. You can go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play in our DraftKings League. Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. We like playing with you guys. We think you're cool. And we think it's really cool when you take our money and even cooler when we take yours. So you can go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play with us. Every week we're opening up new things so bets i will let you sign us off i would be happy to listeners hope you all had a great thanksgiving hopefully you all crushed the thanksgiving slate let's keep it going this weekend we will see you next week thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs podcast don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com